0: Staff. I work mainly with 180, but get the privilege to speak on several weekends and enjoy that uh, very, very much. Uh, as mentioned last week, we're in a series called Stand that will conclude here this morning. And the purpose in putting together this two week series called Stand is this We want to go on a journey, a journey that will, will not only help us have a desire to stand, but also equip us with the tools necessary. To stand up against the battle that goes on in our hearts and lives every single day. That's an important thing. It's a very important thing. There are battles that wage every single day in our lives. And we need to be prepared as believers to take up God's truth and apply that to our lives. General Dwight Eisenhower once said, war is a terrible thing. But if you're going to get into it, you've got to get into it all the way. And that's so true. You know, I believe that many of us are defeated in our Christian lives because we're not seriously engaged in the battle to which we are called. I think that's true. In fact, it's possible that something like this happens in our lives where a believer might come to know Christ in somewhat of a false sales pitch, if you will, where you're told something along these lines, that, that Jesus will solve all your problems, bring peace and joy, you'll live a happy family life. And if this describes you, maybe you were told to come alongside Jesus and enjoy all these blessings. Maybe... Somewhat as if even it's an infomercial style that will throw in a free set of Gensu steak knives as well. I think some people sign up for this that I've just described all the time. Because everything except for the Gensu steak knives is true. But the reality is that those things are just half of the picture. Jesus did promise to give us abundant life in John 10.10. 10. But he also said that he was sending us out as sheep in the midst of wolves in Matthew 10.16. I don't know about you, but that picture doesn't sound too fun. Jesus did promise peace, but in the same breath he said in John 16.33 that in this world you will have trouble. How many of you know that sometimes trouble describes our lives more than peace? That's true. Jesus assured us of his love, but he went on to say in John 15 that the world would hate us. ...and even persecute us for our beliefs. And in Ephesians, Paul tells us that the Christian life is nothing less than warfare on a grand scale... ...against our enemy, the devil, who is also described as the prince of darkness. Not a very appealing description. That's why it's so vital to the Christian life that we realize that when we give our life to Jesus... ...when we become a believer, when we confess Christ as our Savior... ...we are drafted into God's army as a soldier... And daily we're to engage in this battle with an unseen enemy that actually seeks to destroy us. Do you know the devil hates you? Not only does he hate you, but he wants to kill you. He wants to destroy your life. And I think it's important for us to understand this. Because otherwise when the trials of life hit, when the waves crash against our life and things don't go as planned, we wonder why God would allow this. Why these trials would be a thing that God allowed in our lives because we've got to understand the reality of the situation, that we are at war. So with that in mind, I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, which is our theme text for this series, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, where we see the full armor of God. This message will look predominantly at uh, verses 13 to 17, but I invite you to stand as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, 10 to 20. This is the word of God. <clears throat> Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. 19, pray also for me that whenever I speak, that words may be given me, so I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now put your hand on your Bible. God, we pray you would open our hearts to the truth in Ephesians 6 today. Help us to realize the battle is real, and you want us to stand firm. In Jesus' name, amen. Now on your way to your seat, touch three people and say, it's time to armor up. In Ephesians 614 to 17, Paul identifies for us six critical pieces of armor. These are so important because they're the armor that God supplies for every believer to take our stand against the attacks of the devil and Satan's evil forces. You know, I find something really interesting. When you look at the translation of Ephesians 6:14 in a couple different versions, you'll see something really interesting that I want to point out. In the English Standard Version, it says it this way. I'll put it on the screen for you. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The NASB translates it this way. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, when you dig into this a little deeper, you can see with a word translation that the word having in verses 14 and 15 indicates that the first three pieces of armor should be permanent. The believer should never be without these three pieces of armor. We should have them on us all the time. And the phrase, in addition to, which is located in verse 16, introduces the last three pieces of armor. They're preceded in the Greek verb translated to take up or to put on, which implies that they're always to be kept at hand at the ready, to be grabbed, to be resourced, and put on when the believer needs them as soon as actual fighting begins. So let's take a look at the six pieces of armor here this morning. I invite you to grab that handout out of your bulletin. We have some helpful notes there, places for you to add some thoughts as well through this message. The first piece of armor to help you stand strong against the attacks of the devil is the belt of truth, the belt of truth. Roman soldiers would wear a tunic. It was an outer garment that served as their primary clothing. It usually was made of a large square piece of cloth, of clothing material. It had holes cut out for the arms and for the head, and it was draped loosely over the soldier. You see, the majority of ancient battles were close combat with hand-to-hand weapons, and a loose tunic would present a potential problem, as you can imagine, and it would even be a hindrance or a danger in battle. Therefore, before battle, the soldier would carefully cinch up this tunic between their legs and tuck Things together between the heavy leather belt so they would not be encumbered by this loose tunic. In Ephesians 6.14 it says stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. This belt demonstrates a believer's readiness for war. In the same way that a soldier would tuck their tunic away to be ready for war, God wants us to put on the belt of truth firmly secured around our waist so we will be ready to stand for truth. You know, knowing the content of God's truth is absolutely essential to the believer. There is no other option if we desire to stand effectively against the schemes of Satan. And without knowing the biblical teaching that God provides for us, we're subject to what we see in Ephesians 4, verse 14. It says, We can easily be tossed back and forth by the waves of life, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. How many of you know it's so important for us to know the truth of God, to apply that to our life, to firmly fasten that belt of truth? You know, the armor of God also refers to having an attitude of truthfulness, an attitude of truthfulness. To be girded with truth reveals this attitude of readiness and a genuine commitment to stand for the things of God in our world. It is the mark of the mature believer that everything, anything, that might hinder their work for the Lord, be tucked away, be firmly rooted in the belt of truthfulness, to be out of the way so we can take our stand. Paul said it this way in Second 2 Timothy 2.4. He said, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. I love that. Don't entangle yourselves in the affairs of everyday life. Firmly fasten the belt of truth around your waist so that you may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Point to your chest and say, I am a soldier. Ready? I am a soldier. It's the truth. The second piece of armor to help you stand strong is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Of course, no Roman soldier would go into battle without this breastplate firmly in place. A tough sleeveless piece of armor covered everything apart from their head and limbs. It was often made of leather or a heavy linen, onto which were sewn heavy overlapping pieces of metal that were molded and hammered to conform to the body of the soldier. The purpose of this piece of armor is pretty obvious when you think about it. To protect the vital organs, the heart, the lungs, the intestines. You know, I believe that the mind and the emotions are the two areas where Satan tries to attack believers the most. The mind and the emotions. You know, Satan is the author of confusion. Did you know that? He attempts to take the truth of God and twist it to conform the truth of God into a lie that we'll fall for. He wants to manipulate. He wants to twist, lie, steal, and take all he can. I believe the devil wants to cloud your mind. I believe he wants you to be frustrated. I believe he wants to cloud your thinking with false doctrine, false principles, and false information to confuse you. I believe he'll do anything he can to confuse your emotions and therefore pervert. Your affections, your goals in life, your morals, your commitments. Satan desires to steal the word of God from your mind and replace it with his own ideas. Now, let me just have a little pop quiz for us this morning. If your mind is to be after the things of God, do you want Satan's thinking in it or do you want God's thinking in it? It's so important that we take up the mind of God. Satan seeks to undermine pure living and replace it with immorality, with lust, with greed, with envy, with hate, and every other vice you can think of. His desire is that we would laugh at sin instead of mourn over it and confess it to God and get real with Him. Satan tricks us to become accustomed to sin instead of look at it, let it disturb us, and give it over to God and get right with Him. But our protection against these attacks is the breastplate of righteousness. You see, righteousness is to be taken and wrapped around our entire body as a believer. Paul here, of course, is not speaking of of self-righteousness, which we know is the the sin of pride. No. He's speaking of righteousness that that God gives us. The breastplate of righteousness is the practical, moment-by-moment righteousness. The obedience to the Word of God. Our armor must include the righteousness. The genuine holiness of a believer who, as we see in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, should take every thought captive to obedience of Christ. And according to Colossians 3, whose mind is set on things above, not on earthly things, but on godly things. Well, that brings us to the third piece of armor. The third piece of armor are the shoes of the gospel of peace. Since the average soldier in ancient days would walk across jagged rocks and rough hot hot roads that were covered in thorns and even wade through stream beds that would have jagged rocks. His feet needed much protection. You see, a soldier's feet that were blistered or cut or torn up wouldn't be very strong and would be no good in battle. It's difficult to stand when your feet are messed up. Several years ago, I did the mini marathon. I know many of you in our church are active runners. I am not. I did the mini-marathon with some friends for a fundraiser for a friend of ours who's diagnosed with ALS. And so we raised money for him. I had a massive blister on my foot for several days after that mini-marathon. I was crying like a baby. It hurt. What I know is this. When your feet are injured, it's very difficult to stand. It's difficult to even walk, much less run and take up a fight like a soldier would in these times. The shoes of a Roman soldier would actually be impregnated with bits of metal or, or sharp rocks or nails, similar to a track shoe. Picture the bottom of a track shoe. This gave a Roman soldier the opportunity to have greater traction and to not slip as they were taking the hills, as they were advancing. They had greater stability as they fought. A Christian's spiritual footwear is even more important. Because it is the very way that we take our stand against the schemes of the devil all around us. So looking at Ephesians 6, 14 and 15, we see that if you've not carefully put on the belt of truth, and you've not secured the breastplate of righteousness, and if we don't properly fit our feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, we are sure to stumble. In fact, there's no hope for us. We're sure to suffer many defeats. Readiness can also be translated as preparation. Preparation. Now let me just pause and ask you this. What preparation does God want in your life right now so you can stand against the attacks of the devil all around you? I know that a good pair of boots would allow a soldier to march, to climb, to fight against the enemy and do whatever's necessary. And Jesus Christ demands the same readiness of us as believers to firmly put on the shoes of peace so we can stand firm. On one hand, we've got the unsaved person who's helpless, hopeless, ungodly, and the Bible even says in Romans 5, 6-10 that they are the enemy of God. On the other hand, you've got the saved person who has entrusted their life with Christ. They've asked for forgiveness and been reconciled to God through being a believer, through faith in Jesus. That's indicated in Romans five ten to 11 So the gospel of peace is the amazing truth that when we surrender our life to Christ, we are now at peace with God and at one with Him. Therefore, just like a person going in to a shoe store and being fitted for a fine pair of shoes that fit just appropriately for their feet, we are fitted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. To have peace as we take our stand. There's no need to worry. There's no need for anxiety. The union that you have with Jesus Christ and his commitment to fight for you will allow you to stand and have peace in the midst of the battle. And the believer that stands in the Lord's power need not fear any enemy, even Satan himself. And when the devil comes to attack you, remind him that your feet are fitted with the gospel of peace and that he needs to head on out the door. You know, an amazing thing happens because when we entrust Christ with our life, when we surrender ourselves to God's word and to his truth in our life, God is changed from the enemy to our defender. Now, how many of you want God to be your defender? I know I do. I want him to be on my side. I want him to take up war with me and not the evil forces. Well, that brings us to the fourth piece of armor, which I find very important. The shield of faith. The shield of faith is the fourth piece of armor indicated in Ephesians 6. Roman soldiers had several kinds of shields, and I want to talk with you about one. The kind that Paul refers to here is about two and a half feet wide, and it was very, very high. It was designed to cover the entire body of a soldier. They could hold that up and you really couldn't even see them. It was similar to what you might see in uh, like a police riot gear uh, piece uh, of shield there. It was made of a solid piece of wood and covered by thick metal uh, and thick leather. Ephesians 6.16 says this, In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. The faith that Paul is referring to here is faith in God, which is immeasurably more than any other kind of faith. You know, we try to have faith every day. And some people say, well, oh, you know, faith, it's just blind living. Well, faith could be blind living if your faith was in yourself. But if your faith is in God, it's not blind. You see, here's an important truth. Faith is only as reliable and helpful as the trustworthiness of the object. It's only as reliable and helpful as the trustworthiness of the object. Now, most likely you came into this room here this morning to sit down and and you didn't look at your chair and wonder if it was going to hold you. You didn't test it and, and set something on it to see if it would hold your exact weight. You maybe touched it once and then you sat down. You had faith in the four legs of that chair that it would hold you. And the same kind of faith is true in our God. You see, faith is only reliable and helpful as the trustworthiness of the object. And more trustworthy than the chair you're sitting in is the trustworthiness of our great God. Wouldn't you agree with that? I believe that God wants us to trust Him. I believe He's infinitely powerful. I believe that everything represented in this room, every struggle, every challenge, every hardship, Every single thing we're facing as a body, God is trustworthy and able to handle. You know, you might hear me say that this morning, and your tendency is to push back on that and say, ah, no, 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 no. God is trustworthy with everybody else's issues in this room except for mine. That's our natural tendency, isn't it? But what God says to us is take up the shield of faith. I can tell you this our faith will never fall. Because it's placed in one who never fails. Your faith will never fall because it's placed in one who never fails. In New Testament times, the tips of arrows would often be wrapped in pieces of cloth that had been soaked in a flammable substance called pitch. Pitch is a tar-like substance. If you've seen Robin Hood, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. And just before the arrow was shot, they would light it on fire and they would shoot this flaming missile through the air at enemy troops. You've seen this before. The pitch would would burn fiercely and upon impact would splatter these flaming bits of tar and pitch, igniting anything flammable in its path. In addition to piercing a soldier's body, these arrows would inflict serious burns on any person or object that was around and would destroy clothing and gear. But the most reliable protection that we see against these flaming missiles is the shield that Paul speaks about in Ephesians to extinguish these flaming arrows. You know, in our lives, Satan continually bombards us with flaming arrows. Boom, boom. Sometimes the first arrow doesn't even land before he launches another one. He shoots flaming arrows of immorality, of greed, of lust, of despair, of fear, of wickedness, and other temptations. But we must realize that every single temptation, either directly or indirectly, tries to get us to distrust our great God. See, the devil doesn't want you to trust God. He wants you to doubt God. He wants you to run from God. But God wants you to get right today before you leave this place. He wants you to open your life, to put on this armor of God, to take the stand against the devil's schemes in your life. The purpose of Satan's missiles is to cause believers to forsake their trust in God and to actually drive a wedge between the Savior and the saved. The devil wants a wedge between you and God. How many of you know when you don't feel close to God, you're not going to be willing to come to him with your sin? You're not going to be willing to come to him with the challenges of your life. So if the devil can drive a wedge between you and God through distrust or despair... He will. You can guarantee it. But today we have an option. We can completely cover our life with the armor of God to hold up this shield of faith. A faith that never falls because our God never, ever fails. Well, that brings us to the fifth piece of armor, which is the helmet of salvation. In ancient days, helmets would be made of thick leather. They would be covered by pieces of metal that would be conformed and molded to the soldier's head. Now, hopefully, they didn't put that uh, helmet on and then conform the pieces of metal to the soldier's head, but it would be a very important piece of armor. The goal of it would be to protect the, the cheeks. There was even a wraparound piece that would cover the jawline. Usually had a, a, a great, uh, great protection of the head and cheeks. And the purpose of this, of course, as you can imagine, is to protect the head from injury particularly against the broadsword. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a broadsword, but a broadsword is commonly used in warfare of that day. It was not the much smaller sword that was used in, in verse 17, but it was a large uh, two-sided sword that was uh, about four feet in, in length. I, you know what? I'll I tell you what. I, I brought my broadsword today. I saw somebody uh, attempting to nod off just a moment ago uh, You might want to think twice about that. The broadsword was carried by cavalrymen. They would go into battle with this and they would attempt to split the skulls wide open of a soldier. Their goal was to decapitate the opposing forces. And the helmet was very significant when you were coming up against a broadsword, wouldn't you imagine? Well, the truth is, there are broadswords that swing against us. You see, without the helmet of salvation, the Roman soldier would never think about entering battle. Never. But Ephesians 6, 17 says that we should take up the helmet of salvation, that we should pick it up, that we should put it on, that we should get ready and go in to fight the battle that's at hand. You know, I think the fact that Paul relates the helmet To salvation can indicate something very significant to us. I think it indicates that Satan's attacks are directed at the believer's security and assurance in Christ. You see, I believe that the devil carries a broadsword. I believe he carries a broadsword, a spiritual broadsword. The two sides are discouragement and doubt. I believe he swings discouragement and doubt at us every single day. Trying to get us to doubt God and be discouraged in our circumstances. But we must remember that God has called us to be warriors. And not warriors. Because guess what? Not only does the devil have a sword that he swings at us. We have the full armor of God. Aren't you glad about that church? I'm excited that God has equipped us with the full armor. But Satan wants to discourage us. So what he does, he points out our failures you'll never amount to anything. You'll never get past that struggle. That sin has been there for years. You can never break that addiction. No one even knows about it. You're the only one. But God is on our side, and he equips us to be warriors. Satan tries to discourage us with poor health, with negative thoughts about anything you can imagine, because he wants us to lose our assurance. He wants us to lose our confidence in the love and care of our Heavenly Father. But doubt is what leads to discouragement. And discouragement will drive a wedge between you and God. So it's important for us. It's important for us to take up the helmet of salvation. Because it's the great hope. Gives us the confidence and assurance that our present struggle will not last forever. How many of you are glad? The present struggle you're facing today in your family, in your job in your business, in your life, it will not last forever. God is here today to tell you it won't last. It won't last. You know, it's really easy in those moments to look at our situations and say, this is going to be here forever. I'll never get through this. This is huge. It's bigger than me. And While all those things feel true, what I know is we can have great confidence that our God is on our side. That he will equip us, that he will encourage us, that he will break through the doubt and the discouragement if we ask him to. And he'll equip us with the full armor of God so we can be victorious in the end. That's what matters victory through Jesus. It's a great thing. To the Christian armed for defense in battle, the Apostle Paul recommends only one weapon of attack. But let me tell you, one is enough. One weapon of attack is enough because the sword of the spirit is the word of God. It's able to subdue and mortify evil desires and blasphemous thoughts that rise up against us. It answers unbelief and error as they assault us. And I know this, a single text, well understood and rightly applied, at once will destroy the temptation or an objection It will subdue even the most formidable enemy that seeks to attack you. I have some hope for you this morning. And maybe you need some just like I do. And here it is. The hope is this. If you feel like you're losing the battle against these evil forces that scheme against you, remember one of my favorite verses is James 4, 7, which says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you don't feel the devil fleeing from you, maybe you need to get step one and two right. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Well, this brings us to the sixth piece of armor to help us stand strong, which is the sword of the Spirit. Of course, Paul concludes his teaching on God's armor by identifying this piece of armor in Ephesians six seventeen, the sword of the Spirit. There's a common sword that was carried by Roman foot soldiers. It was anywhere from, from 6 to 18 inches, and it's called a makahira. A makahira and it was not the large broadsword but it was a a smaller uh, dagger type sword it looked more like this and the nice thing about the makahira is is it was a principal weapon for hand-to-hand combat it was used for close range it would be carried in a sheath or a scabbard and attached to a soldier's belt so they can have it ready to use when they needed it and from the context we know That this is a spiritual weapon to be used in our struggle against the spiritual enemies. You see, as the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, it is the believer's residence, truth teacher. The Holy Spirit of God is the truth teacher that resides within you. So as you go about your day, as you wrestle with these challenges, it's important to ask the Holy Spirit of God to speak to us, to give us truth, to give us wisdom. So we can know how to stand against the attacks of the devil. Paul explicitly states that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And it's the believer's supreme source, weapon, and defense. However, unlike the shield, which gives broad and general protection, the sword of the spirit is used to defend and deflect the attacks of the devil. But it comes at close range. You see, the broadsword would be used from quite a distance. But the sword of the Spirit is right there in close combat. How many of you know in our lives, that's where the devil likes to attack us? He likes to get right up in our lives, as close as he can. You know, when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, his defense for each temptation was a scripture passage that actually contradicted the devil's words. We see that in Matthew 4.4. 4. The devil would, would attack Jesus and Jesus would... Come right back at him with the word of God. Do you know the word of God? Have you put pieces of scripture into your life? So in the moments where you're attacked, you can say, Devil James 4-7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. So in Jesus' name, there's the door. We need to be able to claim scripture and quote it and have it memorized in our life. One of the things I love to do is write scripture out and post it in places where I see it. One of my favorite places is over my speedometer. Police officers don't like that too much. But I find when I see scripture all over in my life, in my office, on the mirror as I'm getting ready to shave in the morning, or in my car, or in a variety of places around my life, that will help me meditate on it so I can remember it. So I will be able to take up the sword of the spirit in my life to fight against those close combat battles that the devil wages against us. You know, the sword of the spirit is not only used to defend and deflect the attacks of the devil, it's also an offensive piece of weaponry. We see in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword that penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Can I tell you this? The word of God is so powerful that it will transform the hearts and lives of men and women. Do you believe that? The Word of God has power. It's time for us to claim that, to own that, to allow it to settle into our lives and realize that not only are we transformed by God, but it moves us from the realm of falsehood to the realm of truth. It moves us from the realm of darkness to the realm of light. It moves us from the realm of sin and death to the realm of righteousness and life. The Word of God is active and powerful. It will change sadness to joy. It will change despair to hope, stagnation to growth. It will change childishness to maturity, failure to success, and defeat to victory. Does anybody need victory here this morning? I know this. Every time the word of God leads a person to salvation, it's a demonstration of the power of God. It's a demonstration of the power of God to cut through Satan's dominion of darkness and bring light to a dark place and a darkened soul. Some people are asking us after services, "Tell them, why are we doing this fourth weekend service thing? Isn't there a room already? Haven't we reached enough people? What's this really about? Isn't it going to take on a lot of effort for us? I mean, you heard Pastor Greg mention That we want you to consider attending a service and serving at a service. I mean, you're asking for more. Why is this going on? Well, here it is. There are people in our city that are living in darkness. And we know the light. There are people in our city that are living in defeat. And we know the key to victory. There are people in our city living in sin and shame and guilt and separation from the love of Jesus. And we know the power of God. And it's wrong for us to hold on to that because we should take the land, we should advance the forces forward, we should put on the full armor of God and move into the victory that God has for us, both individually and as a church. What I know is this, the armor of God is not just deployed for defense, it is the very provision of God for us to attack the adversaries that wage war in our lives as believers And both individually and corporately as a body, as a church, God is calling us to stand. God is calling us to take the land, to move forward, to reach people in our city with the love of Jesus, because as long as there's one that doesn't know Christ, we will continue to march forward. That's the truth. I recently heard someone say this and it really stuck out. He said this, you get tackled when you carry the football. You get tackled when you carry the football. If the enemy is trying to take you out, it might be because you are the message carrier. Now let me just give a practical illustration from the last hour here in our church. Last week I told you some things that were going on, you know, kids of staff members getting sick, things happening, different different places where the devil's trying to push back at us trying to advance the kingdom of God. Just this morning our, our worship leader comes in and He says, we're praying before service, and we're taking prayer requests. And he says, well, you know, I know God's going to do something great because my car is sitting out in the parking lot with a flat tire right now. I just coasted in this morning so I could get here for worship. We said, amen, God's going to do great things. As I walked down the hallway to my office, not 10 feet from my office, the ceiling collapsed. We've got a leaking ceiling. A hot water heater has uh, spilled out. And so there's custodial crew cleaning that up right now. You know what I did when I heard those things? praise god because this morning god's gonna set somebody free because i know when all that stuff happens when the devil's pushing back against us god's gonna do great work both in this morning and in what's to come in the life of our church and our city so praise god praise god now we've got some work to do we've got a tire that needs fixed and a ceiling that's going to be repaired but praise the lord So when you feel attacked, when you feel that the devil has pressed in, I want you to remember these things right here. You are carrying light to a dark situation. You are carrying the hope of Jesus to despair. You are spreading meaningful work of God to people you know and changing lives. You get tackled when you carry the football. And God has called us to carry the football, not just our staff. Not just the people who are employed by Union Chapel, but all of us as a body of Christ, as believers, to pick up the ball and advance it forward for the kingdom of God. I believe God's going to do great things in this next season at our church. I believe He is. If the measure of what Satan is attempting to swing against us has any effect on the results, we're in for a great ride over the next season. How about you? You've been tackled lately? you're carrying the football. You're carrying the meaningful work of God to people whom you know. Don't put down the ball and don't get tackled. Keep running. Put on the full armor of God so you can stand, so you can advance the kingdom, so you can move forward with the truth that God has put in your heart. Well, I want to share a poem that I found recently about the armor of God because it's very practical to us as we move to a conclusion of this message. I wear the helmet of salvation that my Father gives to me. It protects my mind from drifting back to the way I used to be. On my chest, I wear the breastplate of righteousness, which helps me not to sin. It keeps my heart from wickedness and lets no evil in. I also carry the shield of faith, which blocks each dart that is thrown. It shows the devil I belong to Jesus and that he must leave me alone. I also wear the belt of truth that keeps me in God's way. I'm waiting for the day when Jesus comes back. He could be here any day. My feet are shod with the gospel of peace. I keep heaven on my mind. I'm rejoicing in God throughout the day and praying all the time. The sword of the Spirit is the weapon I carry, showing Jesus is my Lord. His holy word used righteously is sharper than any two-edged sword. His hedge of protection is always around me to guard me every day. God teaches me to love everyone, remembering them when I pray. With all this armor he has given us, the enemy we're able to defeat. For there is no armor in the back of us, because God's army knows no defeat. Can I get an amen on that? (laughs) The full armor of God. It's the very provision of God. That allows us to take a stand against the attacks of the devil. It helps us to stand in truth. You heard in part one of this message last week that when used in a military sense, the Greek word translated stand firm is is this, histami, histami. It means to stand, to hold the critical ground when you're under attack. And I believe that to each one under attack here this morning, God wants to look you in the eye and say, his stay me stand firm hold the critical ground I know that the devil's swinging with all he can to try to destroy you to try to kill you to try to take you out but put on the full armor of God today and stand firm and take the ground that God is calling you to so a closing question will you continue to face the battles of your life alone or maybe with just one or two pieces of armor Or will you today decide that you need to put on the full armor of God to be equipped to take a stand against the schemes of the devil? Stand firm and stand strong. Do you have an ear for that this morning? It's true. Stand up with me. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you have overcome death and the grave. Thank you that the power of God is within everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus today we stand here united as a body all across this room there are some who are hurting some who need the comfort of God those who feel abandoned abused caught in addiction those who feel all alone I pray you'd bring the comfort in this very moment and give them the strength to stand for the battles that they face here today Jesus thank you for this great provision that you give us we take hold of the armor of God today to stand against the schemes of the devil And today, Lord, we hear your call to stand and stand firm, and we thank you for the strength to stand. It's through Jesus Christ I pray, amen. Now, church, I want to ask something of you. We've got three more minutes until we adjourn this service. Let God do the business that he needs to do in your life as we stand and declare this creed together through song. Open your heart to God. Maybe you want to sit down and pray. Maybe you want to kneel down at the altar up front. But don't leave early and don't miss out on the next few minutes of what God wants. Let's sing together.